0: You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. This week, I'm excited to have owner of Chesapeake Birth and Baby. She is a certified labor and postpartum doula, and she is amazing. And her name is Danielle Powell. I'm really excited to have her today on the show. We're going to talk about what happens in the first month after you have a baby, because a lot of times this isn't talked about. And I'm really excited Danielle's here today to share with us kind of all the things that she sees and some tips and tricks that If you guys are in this right now or you're about to be in this, that you are going to it prepared. So thank you so much for being on the show, Danielle. I'm so glad to have you here.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this.
1: Yeah. So I usually ask people on the show to tell everyone your story. How did you become a doula? You know, how did you get into this? And how did you start? So I've been a doula for about seven years now. Mm
2: -hmm. I decided to start Chesapeake Birth and Baby to really reach more clients. I have a business partner. Her name's Megan Anderson. And we were kind of doulas independently. And we decided that if we could start this business together, we could really offer more services and better overreaching services for women too. So as part of this philosophy of our care, we wanted to create consistency of care standards. We wanted to provide more than just birth support. We wanted to provide postpartum support. We wanted to provide classes. And we even wanted to provide a community of sorts because we both live kind of in the heart of Annapolis. and as moms ourselves, we each have three kids, we kind of knew the territory that came with being a new mom. And that sometimes can be loneliness. And so a big part of what we wanted to do was not only provide support to families during the pregnancy and birthing process, and then the postpartum process, but a continuing, you know, kind of environment and community for people. So that was kind of our mission. When we started, I always really enjoyed being a mother. I really enjoyed birth. I really enjoyed breastfeeding and postpartum and everything. I think I was kind of not normal in that way, but I think, you know, part of the reason I enjoyed it so much too, was because I come from a nursing background. And so a lot of it was my ability to educate myself on the process and really being able to dig deep into What will a birth look like? What will the postpartum look like? And then after that, just really going through those things and seeing how hard they were even being informed on those things and then wanting to provide, you know, families a better level of care for that process. Most people know that in the United States, your partner really doesn't get very much leave. You probably don't get very much leave for postpartum. And there is so much talk around birth and pregnancy. But then as soon as you have that baby the conversation kind of just
1: stops. And we really wanted to change that. Yeah. Which is why I'm glad you're on the show today. So we could talk about some of the things because I treat a lot of women that are in that close part of time. It's something to come and be like, wait, I didn't know I was going to be bleeding for six weeks after I had a baby. You know, there's a lot of very like nuts and bolts things that people just don't really talk about. And you might get some of it in your, you know, the pregnancy classes that you take. But again, I feel like you're exactly right. A lot of the, it's like, wait, we'll take care of the mother when they're pregnant. But then as soon as baby comes out of them, it all becomes the focus on the baby. And sometimes we lose focus on taking care of this mom who needs a lot of care of herself, right?
2: Absolutely. And you know, it's it's even a part of our culture too. Like if you have a baby with a OBGYN or a midwife, typically you don't go back to see that midwife until you're six weeks postpartum. Or if you have an OBGYN, the same thing, six weeks postpartum. There is a lot of stuff that can happen in six weeks after you had a baby. And so We really saw the need there and wanted to kind of bridge that gap. We also saw other countries that were doing it a lot better. And they had better maternal outcomes and better baby outcomes as well. So it wasn't only for just like the physical health of the mother and baby that was better, but it was also the mental health of the mother that was better. And we see that in a lot of Scandinavian countries. And a big reason that it is, is because they actually send midwives and doulas to people's house once a week or twice a week for four to six weeks after they have a baby
1: for that support. So that's the big difference in the care is that they're getting in home, someone caring for them, right? Whereas in America, it's like have going from the hospital, okay, we'll see you in six weeks. So keep that baby alive and don't go oh, crazy. Gosh.
2: Yeah. It it's it's scary. You're leaving the hospital, you're putting your baby in the car, you're thinking, okay, now what? They're just gonna let me leave with this baby now. <laughs> After they've been in the hospital taking care of you. And so I, we really find that when we do care in home, we can catch so many other things that start of that can kind of go by the wayside or that people forget to talk about because they think it's just normal. And there's a lot of things that we're like, hold on, just little funny things like where you set up a, a, stage, a baby station in your home. You know, part of our job is just to make your life easier. If we notice then we come into a client's home and that they have their only changing station upstairs in their house, we might say, hey, you should really consider putting a changing station downstairs. So every time you change your baby, you don't have to go upstairs. And, you know, I think when you've kind of been through so much and you're so focused on taking care of a baby, all of those little life hacks almost and those easy things, like you just kind of forget about them. Then sometimes we also see things that are concerning. And, you know, we might want to say this, we need to change the way that we're feeding the baby or we need to change how much rest the mother is getting and the way that we
1: maybe are putting the baby to sleep. And the list kind of goes on yeah. and on. Well, and if you're there in their home, you're going to be actively seeing how they're interacting. And I like that. That's so a great tip for making sure you have a changing. I, I had two home births and I had a doula and they it was one of the first things they were like, you need to have a changing station on every floor. We lived in a three story townhome. And my midwives wouldn't let me leave my bedroom for ten days. There's no stairs. You can absolutely do it for healing, which I thought was crazy at the time. But now I'm, I was really glad that I did it afterwards because you're if you have a vaginal birth, you're going to do the C-section so much. There's so much trauma and damage that happened to all those little ligaments and it takes a long time for them to heal, particularly when you're nursing and you're caring for this baby, and not getting a lot of sleep. So it's not so great to be doing stairs, right?
2: Yeah. And we really try to remind our clients that too. You just had a baby. Your body has been through a big traumatic experience. You've lost a lot of blood. The wound inside of you, whether you have a cesarean or a vaginal birth where the placenta comes off of the uterus is about the size of a dinner plate. You know, I really remind remind clients that's the size of the wound inside of you. That's why you're bleeding like that. It's really important to listen to your body. If you're doing too much, you will bleed more. You'll have more cramping. You'll have kind of more gushing of blood. And that's your body telling you, slow down. You're doing too much right now. I need rest. I need healing. We also really try to talk to clients about what's going to happen In the first two to four weeks after you have your baby, what are the systems that we're going to put in place on our levels as people coming to your home to care for you? But also, what are you going to put into your life to make, you know, life so that you can just focus on your recovery and your bonding with your baby? All of those other details can be really stressful and kind of prevent those things from happening.
1: So things like cooking, laundry, all of the regular household things, right? Is that kind of what you're talking about?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we tell people that the first two weeks after you have your baby are the hardest. Yeah. If you can get through the first two weeks, then you are going to really see a difference in the way things go, as well as breastfeeding for the first two weeks of breastfeeding. That is the hardest thing, you know, the hardest part of breastfeeding. You guys are both learning the rhythm of breastfeeding. It doesn't come naturally always to babies and moms, and that's okay. It's a learned skill and you guys each have to learn. And that is. The baby learning and you learning and your partner too. So, you know, when we talk about taking away those distractions that don't allow you to focus on your recovery and your baby, those are things like, yeah, dishes, laundry, pets. We'll often tell people, is there anywhere your pet can go for a few days after you come home? So you don't have to be worried about letting the dog in and out. And of course, our animals are always our first baby. So that you know, you're always stressing about them too putting boundaries in place. It's really important to discuss with your partner. Is it going to be okay for our parents to come over for extended periods of time during the day because they want to visit the baby? And what is that going to look like? We always suggest that people put those boundaries in place before they have their baby so that that expectation is set there. And then give people things to do if they want to come over and visit. Please bring us food and don't stay and eat it with us. We're tired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really want to entertain you. Well, and I would imagine some of those boundaries might look different now post the pandemic, correct? Discussions about mask wearing and what all well, that's, I'm sure that has been a big thing to discuss. Yeah, that's been a very difficult thing
2: for a lot of people to tell their parents, hey, you cannot come here for several weeks because we need to kind of, you know, not only make sure that we're on the right foot, but make sure that if you want to come, you may be for a little while before you come. Making sure that we have masks on, making sure that we're, you know, kind of doing all the, the guidelines and things that are recommended to make you as safe as possible and your baby as yeah. safe as
1: possible. Well. well, it also, like you need one, you don't need any extra things to worry about as a new mom. We don't need to be worried about someone coming in and exposing your child to something.
2: No. And I think people forget when they come to visit a baby that they're not actually, they're not guests. They're not there for that. You know, the parents should not be offering you um, coffee or water while you're there. <laughs> this is your time to come and help them. And, you know, some good rules about coming to visit a new postpartum family. Yeah. It's is great tips. Bring food always, any kind of food. It doesn't have to just be dinner. It could be. Muffins. It could be something fast and nutritious and, you know, kind of helpful because you don't often get the the time to feed yourself. And so it's nice to have quick nutritionally dense snacks. They're sitting at your nursing station or just sitting around so that you can always have a quick bite to eat. Do not stay for longer than 45 minutes. An hour is a very long time to be there. Watch the parents' cues. If you get there and their baby is crying and they look exhausted, say, hello, I'm so happy to see you and you're doing a great job and then leave the food.
1: (laughs) Take off, yeah,
2: take off. Don't give any advice. They don't need advice right now. They need to be told they're doing a really good job and keep doing what you're doing. Sometimes advice given from friends and family can be very biased or very, well, this is what I did with my child and it really worked. And one thing I have learned from being um, a postpartum doula and working with a lot of different families is that, each family has different things that work for them. And parenting is not a one-size-fit-all situation. Feeding your baby isn't a one-size-fit-all situation. Caring for your baby is not a one-size-fit-all situation. Parents are free to take advice from you know, little pieces here and there. And it can be awkward when you're standing in their face saying, you're really doing that wrong. <laughs> and, and it can be heartbreaking for the parent when they're trying so hard to meet their baby's needs. And also fulfill their own at the same time in the
1: first two weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot going on in the first two weeks. There's a lot going on just with everything we just talked about. But also, you know, there's, there's the wound, which we discussed, but then there's your hormone changes. You know, you go from this big, you know, you have all this progesterone and you're nice and happy. And then your progesterone tanks right before labor. And that's a big, that causes some major emotional turmoil. So then, so you're dealing with this new baby, all the things we've just discussed you know, not getting a lot of sleep and then a major hormonal change all at once. There's a, lot, there's a lot going on there. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people don't
2: know this, but if they're deciding to breastfeed their baby, it is very important to wake your baby up to eat every two to three hours if you're breastfeeding around the clock for the first two weeks of life. And why that is important is because that's going to be the best way to establish the best milk supply possible. And so what that means is that you will breastfeed your baby for depending on how quickly the baby breastfeeds. Every baby is very different and you have to listen and watch their body language for signs of being done. That can take 15 minutes. That can take a half an hour. And so when we say that you need to start feeding your baby every two to three hours, it means if you feed your baby at two o'clock, then you also then need to wake your baby up to eat again at four o'clock. So realistically, you have an hour and a half to sleep.
1: That that is, or or is it really like an hour and fifteen? Because then you have to
2: put the baby, like change their diaper and put them back to sleep. A hundred percent. So that that takes a lot of time and effort. A lot of times, we'll say, "Let's talk about the division of roles before we get into the postpartum," because a lot of times, if there's not that discussion, it ends up falling on the birthing person, and it's not equally shared. And so. If there can be some discussion in advance, then there's already that set expectation. And it just makes things so
1: much, so much easier. Um, And these types of discussions, talking about what you were talking about, like division of roles and setting boundaries, you're not going to get that when you're working with a regular OB, right? You're not going to get that enough level of care if you're delivering a baby in a hospital and you don't have the extra added edition of a doula, correct? No,
2: they're really not going to inform you about that stuff. In fact, the way that they're going to inform you is they're going to send you home with a folder with a 1,500 million pages of paper in it. <laughs> and about three of them actually pertain to the postpartum time. And it's usually about a paper about breastfeeding, a paper about if you choose to circumcise the circumcision care, and a paper about how to get your baby's social security card. Everything else is usually advertisements or advertisements. Yeah, Yeah. advertisements, forms, cord blood banking forms. They don't give you any resources. They don't say, here's a list of all the lactation consultants in your area. Here's a list of doulas if you need help. Here's a list of mental health practitioners. And kind of on that note too, we also like to remind people about 80% of women get the baby blues. So that's within the first two weeks. That's a lot. expect that you will have the baby blues at some point in the first two weeks postpartum. And that's what also makes it hard. And that can look different for many people, but typically it means times of weepiness, times of feeling, you know, maybe overwhelmed. But then also
1: times of like complete and utter joy. So it can be a little and some anxiety in there too, right? Do you see some I've I've seen it manifest and sometimes that might be later on, but you know, people get really anxious about something that's not necessarily something that's necessary to be super anxious about.
2: I think, you know, we really tell people that we think anxiety is kind of underreported in the postpartum time because people don't connect the dots a lot of time, that it's what they're feeling is actually anxiety. They just think, oh, I'm really worried about the baby sleeping, or I'm really worried about X, Y, Z, we think that the rates of anxiety are actually a lot higher than reported. So about 25 to 30% of women may experience postpartum depression and, and or anxiety after the first two weeks postpartum. And, you know, you talked about that huge hormonal shift. It also, pregnancy changes your brain in so many different ways, physically changes your brain and so that stuff takes time to change and recover. And you can probably speak to kind of amount of time you need for your, your body and your brain maybe to get back. But it's probably independent is what I'm guessing. It on. is. It's definitely independent.
1: It's funny, in Chinese medicine, they say that it takes a, a full four years for your body to go back to the way it was before you got pregnant in terms of levels of nutrients, brain capacity, you know, everything. So I think that's a pretty long time. And I, you know, especially if you nurse, because when you're pregnant, your baby is, I don't know, the term leaching sounds a little bad, but essentially you're giving all your nutrients to your baby, right? They're like little aliens that, you know, eat up all our stuff. And so your nutrient levels of iron and vitamin D and B12 and all of our major nutrients are going to be lower, right? So and they'll be lower, especially if you're nursing, they'll continue to be lower. So you have to up some of those nutrient level intakes. But it takes a, a long time for those nutrient stores to come back up to what they were naturally before. Again, this varies. I don't think that it's always four years, but it can take a while for your brain to feel back to normal.
2: Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to put a lot of these supportive measures in place the first month to few months, or even the first year of life, because having these supportive measures, like having the right support system around you, having these, conversations it also helps open up your vulnerability with your partner too so having these conversations in advance if you're really struggling then postpartum you've already talked about this you feel more open to say hey i'm I'm really struggling here and I really need your help right now and making sure that we provide our clients with nutrient dense food and water yes. Be- oh, yes water many <laughs> people forget to drink water I mean nine times out of ten the first thing we do when we arrive at a client's house is say have you had anything to eat or drink today? And nine times out of 10, they say no. You know, and sometimes it's like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. And so the first thing we do is say, let me make you something to eat. That's going to really make you feel better. Let's get a big glass of water in you right now. And then what are your goals for the rest of the day to make you feel like, you you know, kind of recharged and, and fill your cup? A lot of times that is sleep. Sometimes it's alone time. Sometimes they just want to talk. A lot of times we're companions for people because postpartum can be very lonely. (laughs) It's very isolating, especially during the pandemic. I think that's been a huge problem for our clients. Anxiety is very high and there's a lot of loneliness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you guys hear me talk about this on almost every episode. It's so important to have, you know, whatever it is you're dealing with health wise to have a person to help you through it, right? Another person. And I think in this particular special time that we're talking about, it is the most important thing that you could do for yourself is to hire somebody to come and just take care of you. Right. I, I mean I am lucky that I had two births where I had a doula present. So I don't know what it would have been like to go through a postpartum period without a doula. I've seen patients go through it, but I did I personally was very lucky and I I felt, you know, I had struggles postpartum, but I felt the doula really helped with everything. It was a one, it was a wonderful thing to go through. So if you're pregnant and you're thinking about you know, no matter what kind of birth they're thinking about, you can have a doula be there for this twist part of time. Absolutely. And it
2: doesn't have to be an everyday thing. It could be an every few days thing. It could be the first two or three weeks you have someone come just twice a week for three or four hours. And that person should really give you the type of care that is is non-judgmental and unbiased. Yes. And the information that they should give you should be evidence-based information so that you and your family can make the best choice for what's happening in your life, you do not need any more judgment um, than you're already going to get. From and this girl. is this is
1: possible. I have some patients that will tell me, "Oh, don't well, worry, my mom's coming." I'm like, "Well, that's great, your mom's coming, but she's your mom, so it's be great." But just like we don't have a therapist who's not connected to our lives, and they hold space for us in a non-judgmental way, and we feel comfortable with them in a different way. I would imagine that you're kind of filling that role, right? Where you're not family, you're not friends. You're, you know, you're there. To do to serve a purpose. And people obviously are going to feel comfortable with you, but you're not in their lives, right? In that kind of a sense.
2: A hundred percent. I really like how you said that, you know, a person that's just there who's not connected to any part of your life. Like our only goal is to make sure that you have the best postpartum experience by getting your goals and your needs met, by making sure that you're eating and drinking, making sure that you're informed on what's going on and taking care of you and your baby. So they kind of have that peace of mind to rest. I think it is, you know, like you said, having a a parent there. And a lot of times what happens is it doesn't always work out with the parent there. And then they're calling us and saying, "Uh, this was a lot different than I thought it was going to be with my mom here. We ended up arguing about things that just stressed me out because she left her dishes everywhere. And our job is to see all those little details so that you don't have to be worried about
0: that.
1: Yeah. That's an awesome, an awesome role. So where, if people are local... And a lot of my listeners are local and they're having a baby or someone's having a baby. Where's the best place for them to find you? So they can find us at ChesapeakeBirthandBaby.com and they awesome. can uh,
2: send an email straight to us. If you're not local, we were trained through a company called Pro Doula, And the reason I like them and trained with them is because they are really a non-biased, evidence-based, you know, organization that really promotes success in, in women and doulas. And it's it's really about making a career out of being a doula. And so I think that's really important to find someone who's really professional, who really is going to show up and be there for you in the right way.
1: Do they have a website where if someone is, you know, listening out of state, they could go find someone there who's.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to their website, then you can search in your area for doulas. And then if you're looking for a doula and you're not around here in Annapolis and, and can't, you know, be with us, then ask those questions of your doula that you're interviewing. Take the time to interview them. What is your philosophy on care? who was your training organization. Those things are going to be important for how they care for you. If they have an agenda on one certain thing, it may not work with you and your family. And the postpartum period has to be flexible because you never know what's going to happen
1: until you're there. Even the, yeah. the best laid plans, you know? Yeah. Well, I would imagine you, it would also want I remember going through the process and interviewing several and I wanted someone that I felt comfortable. You just like interviewing a therapist. You want someone that you feel comfortable with that like, is on your, you jive well with, right? And that's with any type of practitioner, you know, whether it's your father doctor, your primary care, your GYN, you want to feel comfortable with them. So I would imagine you might want, right? Do you have people that will have you see if it's a good fit?
2: Oh yeah. You want to feel comfortable around that person. This is going to be someone that's in your home that's going to be around you a lot. Make sure that they're going to do a prenatal meeting with you so they can come to your house and see everything. So you guys can just get to know each other more this is an important time in your life and you deserve care that is as important as that, as you know, is is really up to par on that. And that's really going to help your long-term mothering in a sense too, how you kind of come out of that postpartum period and those feelings that you have can really roll into a lifetime of feelings
1: (laughs) with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was awesome. I feel like we've got a lot of good information. Is there any one last thing that you want to tip that you'd like to give to expecting moms or women that are thinking about getting pregnant or to get a plot and then also consider
2: a postpartum plan just like you know people have a birth plan consider a postpartum plan so we actually we we created something like that for our clients to fill out and it asks all those questions it asks those questions that you may not ever think about you can go online and try to look up stuff and kind of if you don't find exactly what you need you can pull stuff together but you know Think about that and also give yourself grace. It, it's it's so much like there's so much change. There, there will be a lot of change in your relationship too, and that's okay. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time to, to balance out and come back to. But really create a strong plan. Have those conversations. Give yourself grace on the fact that you are going to be physically recovering, that your hormones are going to be changing, that you're going to have a lack of sleep. And then find those, those people to support you. Find, find your community. Reach out to lactation consultants on hand and pelvic floor therapists and chiropractors and homeopathic doctors. And just in
1: case you need them, mm-hmm. you don't want to have to go searching for that in the middle of the night if you need one one I time. think that is excellent advice to have a postpartum plan. That's probably the best advice. If you're a new mom or you're pregnant, I think that's a, a great thing. So thank you so much for joining me. This was a great conversation.
0: Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to connect with me over on Facebook at DrKinneyND and Instagram at Dr. Kinney to find more helpful tips and information. As always, you can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at DrErinKinney.com backslash podcast. See you next week.